on this the final episode of life and lessons of the year things get a little bit deep as i reflect on the eight lessons that this year has taught me Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 146 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, today, is the final podcast of the year. I am off to Dublin on Sunday to do my little end of year review thing. And then as is the case every year, or at least has been the case for the last three years since I've been doing this podcast, I'm going to take a little break over Christmas and the new year to kind of frankly remove the burden of having to plan and produce and publish this every single week. So a couple of weeks off, but as was the case over the last couple of years, as I'm taking that time off actively publishing this thing, Uh, I'm going to be doing some work in the background to book guests, to tidy things up, to make this just that bit better for next year. And so that's what's going to be going on in the meantime. uh, If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that I'm in a very different setting to usual. I'm back home right now. Apologies, there wasn't a uh, episode last week. I've essentially been banking this episode here for the last few weeks, kind of working on what it is I want to share with you when I reflect on the lessons that I have learned this year, the things which 2022 has taught me. I've essentially been jotting down in the notes section on my phone over the last few weeks, uh, the key lessons that I have learned this year on the podcast and off the podcast. Uh, Some of them are big and profound. Some of them are quite uh, small and niche, but actually uh, just as significant, I think. Uh, and essentially what I'm going to do this week for the final podcast of the year, and maybe this will become somewhat of a tradition, is I'm going to open up the notes on my phone, read through the uh, the lessons one by one, and just kind of explain to you uh, what that lesson is, where it, is, where it has come from, and what it means to me. So uh, let's begin. I can't remember what they say, actually. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them. Uh, so the first one, And this one is fairly self-explanatory. It just says that a year is a long time. Now, I'll tell you where this lesson came from at the exact moment where I realized this was the case before I dive into it. So one year ago today to this exact day is when I was last in Dublin in that hotel room planning my year, right? That was the day when I sat down with Rick Pastor's book, Grip, which is uh, in the background if you're watching on YouTube. I sat down with that book and I used his planning structure, his year review structure to review the previous year and to plan this year, right? And that whole planning process, the same planning process that I'm going to be doing this weekend in Dublin, really helped kickstart this year. January, February, March, even April, there was this incredible clarity and this feeling of potential, this feeling of excitement, because I knew what this year had to bring me, right? I knew the things that I was aiming for. And as such, uh, those goals were kind of helping to push me forward. But to go to the point of this lesson, when I say that a year is a long period of time, a year is a long time, most of those goals have not been hit, right? And that's not because 
I've had this incredibly unproductive year. It's not because I've been lazy or haven't tried. It's not because anybody has got in my way or tried to stop me. It's actually just because 365 days of context changing ever so slightly, of things happening externally, of mindset shifting internally, 365 days in a row when that happens, you realize that the goals, the intentions, the the shape of the year that you had in your mind at the beginning of the year or indeed at any time of the year, when you fast forward a full year, it's an entirely different year um, to the point whereby I look at those goals that I set one year ago today. I look at them and I think like, cool, I get it. I get why this thing was a target for the business. I get why this was a personal goal of mine. But not only do I look at many of those goals and somewhat disassociate, I think I wouldn't pick those goals right now, which is half the reason why I didn't hit them because it was many months ago that I stopped aiming towards them. But even more than that, I look at some of the goals from just one year ago. We think of a year as such a short period of time, but I look at some goals from just one year ago and I think that I wouldn't even pick those now. The, the priorities I had a year ago, the things which I thought would define this year for the better, 50% of them I look at and I'm like, I have no interest in that. that. That doesn't actually even align with what I want to do in life, with who I want to become, with the things I want to achieve. And so I guess that's it, right? When we each sit down at some point over Christmas and the new year, as I'm sure we all will, to plan our year. And look, it doesn't need to be as formal as mine is going to be of going to another country. Although side note, I might make a little video about the entire process I follow and release that in the days just before the new year so that you can follow the same process if you wish. But even if you don't follow a process like that one, you're going to be thinking about how this year went for you, right? You're going to be thinking about whether you did the things which in January of this year gone, you wanted to do. And you're also going to be planning for where you want to be this time next year. And it's okay if you didn't hit any of your goals this year. It's okay if this year ended up completely differently to how you thought it would for better or for worse. Because to to the key point of this lesson, a year is an incredibly long period of time. And we forget that because when we reflect on our life uh, and we look back, right, we, we look at any given year, 2012, think about 2012, what happened then? For me, it was filming Young Apprentice, it was launching Magnate, the Olympics were on TV. And uh, I don't know, I was in years, year 12, year 12 or 13. I don't know, right? I just picked out four things. And so when we think of a year in retrospect, we pick out two or three things and we can be forgiven for thinking that because they're the only two or three things we remember, a year passes quickly. A year is a short period of time, but there are countless, countless, countless waking hours in a year where things change. And so don't beat yourself up about the fact that you didn't do everything you wanted to this year because your goals change, right? It doesn't, it's not a, an assessment of your value if you didn't manage to do those things, but also just as crucially when planning what you want to do next year, try and keep in mind that your goals perhaps shouldn't be too specific or they shouldn't be tied too closely to what it is you value today, to who you think you are today because you're not going to be that person in a year in the same way that one year from now when I watch this back I'm not going to be the person I am right now I'm not going to be the same person in so 
many senses. And so I'm going to try and be a bit more loose with my target setting next year as a result of that, which was the first lesson that a year is a long time. Uh, the second lesson that I've taken from this year is that most achievements don't feel like achievements. Now, this is a weird one because it is in some ways linked to what I just spoke about with trying to assess what I have or haven't done this year, what I have or haven't achieved this year. And it's easy for me to say that I haven't achieved a lot this year because so many of the things in that document that I produced a year ago haven't been met, right? I haven't hit some of the numerical targets for things like this content. I haven't hit some of the things that we wanted to do in the business of launching new areas because priorities have shifted and all this stuff, right? And so if I look just singularly at that list and ask, did, did we hit these? And the answer is no. I therefore ask, did, did I achieve anything? The answer should be no, right? But as I reflect on the small things that have happened in my life this year, the, the unexciting hurdles, the, the challenges that I don't even speak about on this podcast because they're so low level, right? They're things which they, they were not even a good conversation starter. They're just these tiny things that I've overcome, right? All these tiny achievements. Like I did my first pull up in the gym in April, May time, right? It's not an achievement. It's not a big achievement, but it is an achievement. And when I zoom out and try and take stock of this whole year, this year, which has been confusing and interesting and exciting. And like, I felt every emotion this year in all these different little pockets of time. This has been a year that has been packed full of stuff and experiences, right? And so when I zoom out and look at the year through that lens, not through the lens of, did I keep going in my habit tracking spreadsheet in summer, right? Not through the lens of, did I hit the things I planned in Dublin last year, but rather, did I just live this year? Did I try my best? Did I act with intention? And did I really try and make the most out of this year? A, I have to answer yes. I believe that I have really tried to live this year in every single area of my life, right? That's another big lesson that I've taken over the last year or so that you've heard me speak about before, that I've stopped assessing life primarily on like numbers in a business and more try to look, I hate this word, but more holistically at like, am I happy? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? When I look through that lens at this year, and by the way, this isn't to discount the fact that many things weren't done. This isn't to ignore the fact that as in the previous point that I made, there are achievements which I wanted to achieve and didn't. I've achieved a huge amount this year. And this reminder, I think is so important that the things which are achievements, having a guest on the podcast that four years earlier I'd listened to on another podcast and found really inspiring, right? Passing a certain number of subscribers, though low, it's still a nice round number, right? Hitting a certain number of watch hours on YouTube, closing a certain client in the business. Um, I don't know, just overcoming little things that have bugged me for years with my, uh, my life or my physicality or my health or whatever it might be. And just proving to myself in the same way that you can prove to yourself that these little things, these things that we perhaps thought weren't possible are possible, even if they're not exciting. Most achievements don't feel like achievements, right? Because most achievements don't occur. And then moments later, four of your friends are around you congratulating you. And there's a nice picture on Instagram that gets 400 comments and all this stuff. Like most achievements happen 
in private, most achievements happen inside of our own heads and we are the only people who can either give ourselves credit or not. And so it's important, I think, as I reflect on this year to realize that as I go into next year, that there are things which today I don't even know are coming down the tracks, which when I am faced with them, good or bad, I will respond or react or take action in a certain way. And on the other side of that will be a sense of accomplishment, will be a feeling of achievement. And it's an achievement that nobody else will see, but it's an achievement which I think it's just as important to give myself credit for as the big public ones. Because if we're not congratulating ourselves, if we're not keeping stock of the fact that we are making progress day by day, nobody is going to do it for us. And if you're not giving yourself credit, then you're you're breaking that really important feedback loop, that really important contract with yourself, which says that you will be the person who congratulates yourself when nobody else is there to do it. So that was lesson number two from this year. The most achievements do not feel like achievements. Oh, this third one's a deep one. People's actions aren't a reflection of your self-worth. Oh, this one can get deep. Right. So people's actions are not a reflection of your self-worth. Too often in life, we and me, this is very personally about me as well. I'm not going to try and distance myself from it. We assume that people's actions, when those actions involve or don't involve us, are a direct reflection of how somebody feels towards us, right? How somebody sees us, how they value us. And as a result, we take other people's actions in our vicinity as though they are a reflection of our worth and our value in the world, right? That's a really complex way of saying that people do things and we feel a certain way, right? But I don't think that that bond, that that tie should always be there. I don't think it's always valid for us to, to review our self of worth, sorry, to review our sense of worth, our sense of self-worth against the actions of others, right? Because for example, in a romantic context, if you are speaking to somebody and that interest isn't reciprocated, that doesn't necessarily mean that the person who you were speaking to doesn't value you as a person. That doesn't necessarily mean that the person you had an interest in doesn't like you or immediately dismissed you, right? It just means that another individual whose actions we cannot control made a decision which is right for them as a person, as an individual, and we just happen to be on the sidelines of it, right? In the same way, and this is a really good test, not least because I am prolifically bad at ignoring people from Tinder, for example. Every single time I have ever somewhat accidentally ignored somebody's messages and then a conversation has fizzled out, every single time I have, you know, not gone on a second or a third day or left it four days between replying to somebody or had to kind of break things off in a slow ghost kind of way because it just wasn't right for me that the moment in time wasn't right for me zero times when i have ever done that have i been thinking i need to take this action because i hate the other person not once when forgetting to reply to somebody have i thought i'm going to not reply to this person because i don't value them as a human and yet we although we know this is true the second it is the inverse. The second we sense that somebody is not replying to us, not showing interest in us, removing us from their life for whatever reason, we think that it's because of us and not them, right? And the same is true in almost any context, right? A job interview. If you don't get the job, 
you more often than not because of the negativity bias will assume that it's because of everything that was wrong with you rather than everything that was right with the candidate who got the job. The same in friendship, the same in sport, the same in literally anything, right? But somebody else's actions are taken for the best interest of somebody else. And they are taken in the context of somebody else's life, that context, which by the way, we know nothing about. And so this was a big one this year to, to realize that things happen in other people's lives. And as they happen, you need to realize that that life is not your life, right? The things which are happening over there are not you. And they are not a reflection of your value, nor how anybody sees you or doesn't see you, nor how you should see yourself. And it's so, so easy to get caught up in that trap because we are social beings, right? We want the approval of others. We're hardwired for this. And so when it feels like we're not getting somebody's approval, we all know that feeling that we get. It is a physical feeling. It's a feeling which you can probably imagine right now as I speak through this. But like I said at the beginning of this point, I just think it's really important where possible. And I've learned this this year to try and break that link, to realize that, yeah, okay, occasionally somebody might be being a dick and they're, they're out to cause ill feeling towards you. But 99 times out of 100, people are just acting in their best interests and it's, it's normally nothing to do with you. So there we go. People's actions aren't a reflection of your self-worth. The next lesson uh, is that solitude is more important than ever. Now, I've spoken about solitude a lot on this podcast. Solitude, I use the definition that I believe is in Cal Newport's book, Digital Minimalism. Um, solitude being absent of the thoughts of any other individual, right? So solitude isn't sitting in a room on your own watching Netflix or listening to music or reading a book or texting or scrolling Twitter. Because in all of those different contexts, somebody else's thoughts are penetrating your mind, right? Your, your mind is being populated with the thoughts and the views and the creativity and the input of others. And so if you never take the time to allow your thoughts to just be with themselves, and actually I spoke with uh, Moshe Barr about this very recently on a podcast that you hear in the new year about his work around the concept of mind wandering. And this actually reinforced my view on this. If you don't allow your thoughts to just exist and go where they happen to go and you follow that path for as long as it allows you to until your thoughts suddenly switch to something else and you just sit and think and reflect and be alone. I think, and actually Moshe Bar's research backs this up, you're missing out on so much. There are huge untold conscious and non-conscious benefits, some of which you don't even realize are happening when it comes to creativity, when it comes to a sense of balance, when it comes to having clarity and a, a cohesive narrative, when it comes to your life, all of these things can only be achieved if you sit in solitude with your own thoughts. And I mean, I have tried and failed several times this year with meditation. This doesn't need to be meditation. I'm not saying go to the top of a mountain and join a monastery and sit and meditate for hours. I'm saying occasionally put down your phone and occasionally turn off that music and stop reading that book and just sit and listen to the voice in your head and, and see what happens. Because that sounds like the most passive, pointless thing until you try it, right? 
it sounds like you couldn't possibly get benefit out of doing nothing and just seeing where your mind goes. But, and this one's really hard to, to explain in words, although Moshe does do a really good job of explaining the science behind it in that episode that you will hear in the new year. But my general point here is, um, until you sit with your thoughts and just embrace being properly, properly alone for a solid block of time every week or so, really difficult to explain those benefits in words. Solitude is more important than ever. Uh, this one's interesting. Most limitations are self-inflicted. Now, there have been messages to guests that I haven't sent, right? There have been uh, situations with people where I haven't said how I felt. There have been uh, potential clients that we haven't closed because I haven't got in touch out of the blue, right? There have been all of these things this year, all of these brick walls that I've hit when it comes to what could have been, what I could have achieved this year, which I didn't. And when I look at why I didn't, it's not because somebody was out to stop me. It's not because physics were against me. And it's not because anybody was explicitly telling me, no, it was that for the most part, the things which I haven't achieved this year, they started and ended in my mind. And by that, I mean, it was through inaction. It was through hesitation. It was through telling myself this thing won't work. So I shouldn't try in the first place. It was through those things that, that these limitations were met, not through reality, right? It was a an imagined brick wall that I was hitting, not a real one. And if you reflect on your year, I guarantee you, and you should actually do this right now, think about something that you wanted, that you probably could have had if only you had said something, if only you had tried, if only you had applied for that job, if only you had sent that message, if only you had spoken to that person on the train and you didn't, right? Now we know in this moment here that because you didn't do that thing, the potential upside that you could have achieved didn't come to you, right? You don't have that person's number right now. You don't have that new job right now. You don't have that new connection with somebody who you admire right now because you didn't take action. And in the moment, if you're anything like me, the things which were stopping you from taking that action felt very real, right? You probably had this, this physical sense of dread or of anxiety or of just this nervousness that told you that you can't do this thing or self-doubt or whatever it might be. There was something telling you that the limitation that you had reached was real, right? But with the benefit of hindsight, I'm sure that you can now reflect on that situation and objectively look at it and ask, okay, well, was anything physically stopping me? Probably not, no. Was anything mentally stopping me other than my own thoughts? Probably not, no. And so you then realize, and this is something I've come to realize very recently as I have been reviewing this year, that really 90% of limitations, and I say that I appreciate through a position of privilege as a straight white male, but 90% of the stuff that has limited me this year has been inside of my own head. The limitations have not been real. And that's not to say that every bet that I didn't take would have come off, right? That's not to say that every single thing I put my mind to would have been achieved, but it is to say that if I didn't believe the nonsense in my head that I couldn't do the thing to begin with, if these imagined limitations weren't there, if the brick walls I was imagining myself hitting 
weren't there, far more of these things would have come off because I would have done the thing right. I would have said the thing. I would have taken the leap. And so I think that's a really important one for all of us, myself included, to remember next year, which is that limitations are real. Yes. Right. You're not going to go into the gym tomorrow and deadlift twice your body weight if you've never been to the gym. That's not going to happen. But, and lots of research backs this up, both physically and mentally, the vast majority of us are far more capable than we believe in a bunch of different areas. And more often than not, we learn this in the Expectation Effect book that you're going to learn more about when you hear my conversation with David Robson early next year. It is our expectations which shape our reality in ways which you won't quite believe until you hear the science on this. And this is just another tick in the box of backing up this idea that most of our limitations are imagined and not real. So that was the next lesson that I learned this year. Uh, this one's interesting because it kind of feels a little bit like the first lesson, but it's, it's slightly different. You can't predict the future. Now, this is funny because I'm coming at this from a really random angle, but this is, this is really what made me uh, perk up and pay attention to this. So very brief story, and I'll keep this entirely uh, nondescript because it's about somebody who isn't me. Uh, I spoke to somebody on Tinder in like March, right? March, April. March, in like March, right? Went on a couple of dates in like March and April. I was like, this just feels like it's going a bit quick. It's not for me. We stayed in touch. We stayed friends, whatever, right? So at that point in time, there were two people. Again, this one being nondescript because the can't predict the future part of this is about somebody else and not me, but it really just opened my eyes to this. So in April, I've got somebody telling me that um, I'm misreading a situation that they don't want to go too far. So they're taking this year to focus just on themselves. And then in December, this person got engaged to somebody else. Now, again, whilst this is somebody else's story, so I don't want to go into any details because it's not my story to tell. There is no way that this person in April, when we're on that, I don't know, say that second date walking through Cardiff, could have predicted that May, June, July, August, September, the nine months later, had to do the maths there, eight months later, really, because it was the end of April, that eight months later, they would be engaged to be married to somebody that they hadn't met yet, right? And so when I reflected on this quite recently, again, in the context of trying to review the whole year, I realized that there are so many of these things in my life this year and in every year, which when you reach a certain point, it makes sense. You're like, cool, okay, I understand how I got here because I can connect the dots looking backwards, but actually looking forwards for you and for me and for everybody else listening to this. There are things, again, both good and bad, which are going to happen in the next year that are fucking impossible to predict. Like really, really, we do not know where our lives will be in a year. We don't know the incredible people we will meet or lose. We don't know the opportunities which will be given or taken from us. We don't know what we will learn, what we will suffer. We literally cannot predict the future. And so I think this is important for two reasons. And this is why I take it out as a key lesson from this year. Number one, because we can't predict the future, right? We're, we're not great prediction making machines, right? The negativity bias will always have us default to the worst case scenario in our minds. It's kind of redundant trying to predict the future. Now, there is some value in, uh, I guess, planning, right? There is some value in making best case scenarios and being wishful, being hopeful for where you're heading. But trying to predict the future 
when life is so messy and complex and when all you're doing in the present moment when you're trying to predict the future is not living in the moment, is worrying about something which may or may not happen. It's just completely redundant. But then number two, I think it gives us permission to approach life with some sort of optimism, right? With some sort of excitement and curiosity as to what's to come. Because like I say, there are things which will happen in my life in this coming year which I, I mean, there are things which will happen, which are obviously on the horizon, which I can see coming both good and bad, but also there are things which I can't even consciously comprehend or dream up or imagine right now, right? Big things and small things that I just don't know are coming, right? And so I think that's really important to remember because when we get so caught up in where we want to be next year, what we want to do next year, it's so easy to forget to almost, I don't want to sound too woolly when I say this, but like ride the wave that is life because sometimes it's great sometimes it's difficult but it's always slightly unpredictable and depending on how you frame that that can either be terrifying and anxiety inducing or it can be exciting right things are going to happen to you next year great things that you don't even know about yet right they're going to come out of nowhere and improve your life and that's just exciting so i think that's something to to bear in mind next year that I learned this year. Uh, the second to last lesson, which I learned this year is that it's important to listen to your body and your mind. Now, if you've been listening to recent episodes, uh, infrequent as they have been, you will know that I had two back-to-back colds or flus or COVID. Don't know what it was. Don't really care. The symptoms were terrible either way. The first one, I did not listen to my body. I tried to push through it and it battered me as a result. I was written off for two weeks. In the second week of it, I really couldn't do anything. I couldn't focus. I couldn't exercise. I wasn't eating properly. Terrible, right? In the second cold or flu thing, which came a couple of weeks later, I took a different approach. And I mean, look, this, this isn't necessarily related scientifically because it could just be that I had a different, lesser strain of a different infection or whatever. but. Second time around, I focused massively on recovery, right? Hydration, sleep, reducing stress, all of these things that we know are good for our bodies, particularly when we're ill, focused in on all of them as much as I could. Now, cold number one, two weeks felt terrible. Cold number two, really, like the the bulk of it was maybe four days. And it's because I was listening to my body, not thinking that I am separate to my body, not thinking that I am like a a command station in my brain, which can decide whether or not my body needs to recover. Like that's fucking nonsense. I needed to recover. I didn't listen. I paid the price. Second time, needed to recover, did listen, recovered, right? And the same is true mentally. Like there have been times this year after 75 hard, when I failed, that was a good example. Uh, recently, to be honest, where I've just been a little bit slow heading towards the end of the year, where I've hit, I wouldn't say mental exhaustion, maybe I would actually after the 75 hard, that was crazy, but some sort of burnout, some sort of lack of momentum, some sort of reason to slow down. And if I'm honest with you, most of the time I didn't. Most of the times I thought I could push through it. And time and time again, as if I didn't learn the lesson, 
you can't push through these these physical and mental demands that your body has. You have to listen to them and act accordingly because like I said, you are not separate to your body and your mind. Your body and your mind is you and you are it, right? You can't separate and disassociate yourself from it on demand when it's convenient because you want to get more done or because you want to feel better or because you want to distance yourself from how you're currently feeling. You have to listen to how you're feeling. And I mean that both physically and mentally, and you have to act accordingly. And what I mean by that is if your body is needing rest, rest, right? If you're really tired and sleep deprived, find a way to prioritize sleep. If you're feeling stressed or burned out or demotivated, understand the reason for that. Work backwards from there. Listen to yourself because so many times this year, so many times I just haven't. And it's silly because I know how this thing goes. I know that if I don't listen to myself, I end up paying double the price a couple of days later. And so next year, something that I want to do is just listen because if not, I end up in the same place. And then the very final lesson, and again, this is kind of related to the other two, but it is slightly separate. The final lesson I've learned this year, and I extend this to you as well, because I'm sure this is true towards you, is that you are doing all right. You're doing okay. And I made a short uh, like TikTok about this a few months ago. It's so easy when you look around you, when you look at the achievements of others, when you view the profiles of people on social media, when you look at people's tweets or Facebook statuses or emails or whatever it might be, to be like, that person there is doing something that I can't and I'm not doing it because I'm a lesser person than they are, right? But if you really zoom out and look at everything you've achieved this year, right? The number of days you've turned up and worked hard, the number of times you've been there for somebody in your family who's needed you, the number of memories you've made with families or friends, the number of hours you've put into your hobby or your craft or learning, and even the time where you've just chilled, right? Where you've listened to yourself, where you've had well-deserved, well-earned time off to do what you want. When you look at that as a whole, Going right the way back to what I said about how the last year or so I've been slightly reassessing what success actually looks like. When you take your whole life, all of it, every single element, and you, you look at it as a collective, as you zoom out this year, the chances are, not least by the fact that you're here listening to a podcast about self-development, right? You've, you found the time to be here to do this for yourself. You're probably doing okay even if it seems like you're doing worse than the people who are putting on a persona on the internet or worse than the author whose book you read and they were running a business at 17 and you're not or whatever it might be, like you're really probably doing okay. And you really ought to give yourself more credit because your life right now is probably very, very close to a life which you dreamt about living five or 10 years ago. But because of the hedonic adaptation theory because of all of these ideas of you get something and then you want more and this isn't good enough and you're comparing yourself to somebody else and there's all of this contrast, you fail to realize that when you stop right now, when you look around you, when you assess where you are at in life, you've come an incredibly long way. You've got an incredibly long way that you can travel, that you have the potential to go right. And it's so easy to forget all of that, to get caught up in the day by day, to, to look backwards and have those regrets. But actually, 
and I genuinely mean this, even though you and I have probably never met if you're listening to this, I genuinely, genuinely believe that it is very likely that if you look at this year, if you look at your achievements, you are doing okay. And I just think that's important. It's so easy to be critical of yourself at this time of year. It's so easy to say this year was a write-off, this year was a failure. What's the point of making goals for next year? I didn't hit them this year. Forget your goals for a minute. Forget that. Just ask yourself, how do you feel right now? Have you done okay? You probably have. And that's a really important lesson, I believe. Uh, That is all I have. I am off to Dublin on Sunday to plan next year, to review this year, to do all that stuff. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm thinking of filming that trip in a little bit of a hands-off way because I want to kind of disconnect from technology a little bit whilst I'm there. But doing some kind of B-rolly bits and then when I get back home, Uh, early next week sit down here with this microphone and maybe just make a video about the process uh, and kind of the step-by-step of how I reviewed last year or this year as it is now uh, how I planned next year the little bits that I'm going to drop in this year the questions I asked myself the reflections I had and almost create somewhat of a blueprint or a template that you can watch on YouTube to do the same for yourself I'm not promising that because I don't actually know what's involved in editing a standalone full video of that style because that will be something new to YouTube in the next year because that's coming next year, promise you. Uh, But I might do it, who knows. Uh, In the meantime, a few things to say. Number one, thank you so much for listening to the podcast this year, whether you've listened to one episode, all of the episodes, anything in between. I apologize for it being patchy towards the end of the year. You know how it gets in the business. Things get busy in Q4, but it's been another amazing year. Uh, 15, 20 or so guests, incredible people. The access to which I only have because you turn up and listen, right? Incredible. The conversations that this podcast has sparked, the connections, the friends I've made, it's all just been incredible. We're three years into this now. Uh, Today marks, I think, three years and one week since the podcast launched. I'm very grateful for this. as I always do in December, like I said, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to reflect. I'm going to plan. I'm going to work a little bit. And then we go again next year, bigger and better, as is always the case in January. I've got a couple of ideas of how we can make things better. I'm very excited for that. But look, this has been the last podcast of the year. Uh, you have four great guest episodes coming early next year. Paul Moore, Moshe Barr, Floyd Woodrow, and David Robson. Look out for them. In the meantime, Again, thank you. Have a great Christmas and New Year. And I'll see you back here in the new year for episode number 147 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.